It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker, your daily Broncos podcast. It is Wednesday, September 18th here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. So you know what that means. It is crossover Wednesday and I'm joined today. We're going to be talking Broncos Packers matchup with Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL and our sponsor of today's show is our good friends over there at Blue Chew. And my bookie. And you know what? This weekend, as as the Broncos get ready to travel to Lambeau Field, they're going to have a tough story. They're going to have a tough coverage of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams of this Green Bay Packers offense. And that leads us into our Lockdown Broncos lead story of the day. I'm Cody Rourke. Now, the Broncos, they go into Lambeau Field with a familiar foe, a player that they've gone against before. Chris Harris Jr. has gone against him twice in his career in the regular season when it's mattered, and it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League from a standpoint that he can dissect the defense from any portion of the field. He's very good outside of the pocket, extending plays with his legs and firing downfield, being able to fit the ball between tight windows of coverage. And I tell you what, the Broncos, their defense, they have their work cut out for them this week, and Broncos cornerback Chris Harris Jr. talked a little bit with the media on Tuesday about what it's like going against Aaron Rodgers. What stands out about him? Chris Harris Jr. says his accuracy. He can make every throw. He's very intelligent. He's one of the best to ever do it. He says that he's had battles. He can't remember how many records, but he thinks he's lost to him one time, and the other time was a great battle back when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015. They played the Packers that year, and I tell you what, Aaron Rodgers was having a field day uh, with the NFL, and then he came into that matchup with the Denver Broncos, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, TJ Ward, Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr., Roby, the no-fly zone when it was intact, they were able to play press man-to-man coverage, and they were really able to get to Aaron Rodgers. The Broncos are going to have to find a similar way to do that this upcoming Sunday. Now, how can the Broncos fluster him a little bit? Well, it's it's plain and simple. If you play off coverage and you allow him to roll out and extend the play with his legs and, and get outside the pocket, it's going to be a long day for the Broncos secondary. you got to find ways to slow him down, and how you do that is you have your backside player, wherever the strong side is or the weak side is, you have the outside player whether it be Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, even the defensive end if the Broncos go with their three-man front, you have them play outside contain. Aaron Rodgers is no slouch. He will extend the play, with, like I said, to the outside, but he'll also step up and dip up underneath and run for a first down. He is not scared to do that, and, and he can hurt you with his legs. And granted, it's, he's not going to break off an 85-yard touchdown run. He can pick up an 11, 12-yard gain real easily and slide. And, and really, 
you got to force defenses to be very honest with how they approach you. So I imagine there could be a quarterback spy uh, across the middle of the field, and and really we're probably going to see a lot of a too high safety look. That means you got to play aggressive coverage underneath, and that's one of the game plans that the Broncos have in terms of maybe getting the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. Chris Harris Jr. answered when he was asked about how long Aaron Rodgers holds on to the ball in comparison to most quarterbacks, and Chris Harris Jr. says Aaron Rodgers is known. He's great at extending the time in the pocket, letting his guys get time to get open. He's one of the best to ever do it at that. He says there's a reason why he does hold the ball a little bit longer because he's making plays for everybody else, but hopefully we can use that in our favor and be able to get some sacks. So there's another angle too. The Broncos, they have to disguise different coverages and send pressure from different areas. They can't just sit back, rush three, or, or just rush four. You got to be able to send a nickel blitz. You got to send an inside backer blitz alongside your four-man front if you go into it. And you got to find ways to collapse the pocket very quickly for Rodgers. And you got to have make sure that your defensive tackles condense those gaps on the interior A gap and B gap so he can't slide up underneath. If the Broncos can do that, then I, I think they have a great chance to come out on top in this matchup. And, and really the neutralizer for this whole entire game game is you have to slow down Aaron Rodgers. That is the game plan to win the game. There is no other game plan for the Broncos except go out there and fluster number 12 because he will pick you apart. And I tell you what, go back to week one. We're going to do a film study, but go back to week one where he fit a window, a pass over the top of two safeties. And he it was an amazing completion. He wasn't even looking at it. And he was looking left to the outside receiver, and then he just fired across the field and connected. I tell you what, th- those are the types of plays that Aaron Rodgers makes, and the Broncos cannot afford to make those types of mistakes against him in coverage, especially outside. you got to be able to keep that contained because, like I said, if he gets outside and he's one of the best mobile quarterbacks in the National Football League. So another question is to who could be a wild card factor for the Broncos' defense to maybe get to Aaron Rodgers? There's going to be a lot of microscopes on Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, players that haven't had a sack yet in two games, and the Broncos only had two quarterback hits. It's unacceptable, and the Broncos know that. They're working to fix that, but who can be a wild card factor? I want to take a look at nose tackle Shelby Harris. Harris, who usually will command some double teams. I think this is the best week for the Broncos to really attack the inside of that Green Bay Packers line. We know a tackle David Bakhtiari is one of the best in the business, so he's going to be going against Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. you got to find ways to cause interior penetration. I think this is the perfect week for a nose tackle like Shelby Harris to draw some double teams to shed it and to split either the A gap and the B gap and be able to get pressure up the middle on Aaron Rodgers. If you can do that, then you force him outside. If you force him outside and your contained guys do their job. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have time to throw. Almost a similar game plan to what we saw with the Broncos did with him in 2015, the year that they won the Super Bowl. This has been Cody Rourke with your Lockdown Broncos lead story of the day. Now, I also want to remind you guys, as we get closer here to segment number two, we're going to be doing our crossover series with Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked on Packers podcast. I want to remind you guys that if you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged, Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. You can get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home wherever you go. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED. That's one word, LOCKED, to get started today. And I also want to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's show. That's our good friends over there at Blue Chew. Now go back and looking at the film review. The Broncos offense at times, they struggled, but relatively Rich Scandrill had a really decent offensive game plan. He had pretty good play calls in week number two. And unfortunately, it didn't translate into points. So at that point, you got to hope that maybe the Broncos take a little bit of Blue Chew as they get ready to go to Lambeau Field because they got to they gotta punch it in. Their offense has to score when they're in the red zone. And Blue Chew 
provides that same thing for you at home in the bedroom. You just go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. They bring you the first chewable tablet with ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know that they work very similar there and you can take them anytime, whether it's day or whether it's in the evening or right before kickoff on Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time. You can even take it on full stomach after you've eaten breakfast or dinner. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises today. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more in-person doctor's visit, no more waiting in the pharmacy in the best part of it all no more awkwardness they're made in the usa and since blue chew prepares and ships directly to you that makes it much cheaper than a pharmacy so right now listeners of lockdown broncos can access this very very special offer that we have for you by visiting bluechew.com and you can get your first shipment absolutely free when you use special promo code locked on all you're going to do is pay five dollars in ship and again that's b-l-u-e chew dot com promo code locked on to try it free today blue chew is the better cheaper and faster choice and we want to thank them for sponsoring today's crossover episode of locked on broncos and speaking of that coming up in just a moment we're going to be talking with peter bukowski break it down the broncos packers game at lambeau field this sunday 11 a.m mountain time kickoff we're going to go through the keys of the game broncos o versus the packers d broncos d versus the packers o Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cody, the interesting part of this matchup uh, this week with Packers and Broncos is while the Broncos are not a team that Green Bay sees regularly, their head coach is someone that Packer fans and the Packer team is intimately familiar with, uh, Vic Fangio, and is someone that that I had advocated Green Bay to go out and and hire as a defensive coordinator when they were looking for one two seasons ago. I think early returns, you know, after watching last week, I loved the aggressiveness with the two-point conversion, trying to win the game there. They thought they should have won the game there. What are your early impressions of how Vic Fangio has has taken over and and potentially changed, you know, whatever culture there was there in Denver? You know, I think that's a great point, Peter, because look, the Broncos, the, the culture change that's happened with Vic Fangio, it, it's not really indicative right now of the 0-2 record. You know, you, you start off with a Monday night football game, I think really for the Broncos there when they went 0-1 against the Raiders, a tough, tough matchup. But I, I thought that they rose up to the challenge against a very tough uh, Chicago Bears team who Green Bay and, and you yourself are covering over the years uh, as a Packers analyst, you know how tough they are defensively. I mean, we, we talked about it all week long. Khalil Mack is a guy that had five sacks on Aaron Rodgers in the week one opener. You know, they got to limit that with Joe Flacco, the aggressiveness. And, you know, there was this kind of narrative that was placed out earlier that well, maybe the Broncos are being too conservative with the coaching staff. Well, I I think Vic Fangio really kind of proved in that game against Chicago that, hey, that's not the case. We're playing to win and, you know, we're going to deal with whatever results come afterwards. I I like the aggressiveness. I like the uh, the marbles that he had in terms of deciding, look, we're playing for the win. We're not going to play for the tie. And, uh, you know, I I think it couldn't be any happier. I I love what he's done so far in the locker room. Players have really taken a liking to him. And uh, look, despite them being 0-2, these players, they're rallying behind Coach Fangio. And and that's something that we've seen from him wherever he's gone, whether it be San Francisco, 
or Chicago. Now, Peter, one thing I want to ask you too, obviously with some familiarity there, Vic Fangio, the previous defense coordinator for the Chicago Bears has had a lot of matchups against Aaron Rodgers. And we saw last year when Aaron Rodgers got hurt in that week one, uh, that that first matchup um, against those guys, that he did find a way to get to the quarterback a little bit. But when Aaron Rodgers came back, it was almost as if things kind of got neutralized a little bit because we know the talent that is Aaron Rodgers, his ability to extend plays with his legs. And I tell you what, he can pick apart any defense. It doesn't matter what kind of coverage you're in. If he has time, I mean, he's going to find open threats here. So the question I want to ask for you is going against a Fangio style defense. What do you expect the Packers offensive approach to be? Well, I think what, what we've seen is the already the evolution of this offense. And in week one, we didn't see a lot of the concepts that we thought we would see from a Matt LaFleur offense. We didn't see as much of the commitment to that outside zone running. We didn't see the play action game. We didn't see uh, a lot of the the stack plays, the motion plays, the jet sweeps, the orbit motion, all of the different uh, wrinkles that he can bring to an offense and is part of the Shanahan tree offense. We didn't really see it in week one. It looked a lot more like what we saw from Mike McCarthy's offense. And I think part of that is it's just what they're most comfortable running at this point. And because the Shanahan version of the West Coast and, you know, the the Hackett version, luckily they have, you know, Mike McCarthy learned the West Coast at the feet of Nathaniel Hackett's dad. So to have an offensive coordinator who understands uh, the, the scheme that they were running in Green Bay and to have a quarterback's coach who used to be the receiver's coach in Luke Getze, They've been able to mold and adapt this offense. And then in week two, what we saw was more of the the Matt LaFleur type approach, the philosophy there. We saw double the amount of play action passes. We saw that commitment to the outside zone run. And it was so much more effective even against a good defense. So I think that the next step is is to fully embrace it or to become more fully embracing of the the Matt LaFleur approach, the commitment to the run game is going to be there. And so when you look at this this Broncos defense, um, they haven't played the way that we've seen Denver play the last few seasons. I mean, right now, 24th in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. uh, And, you know, they don't have the horses that they've had in years past in the secondary. We haven't seen Von Miller and Bradley Chubb really impact games in meaningful ways. Five total pressures through two weeks. Uh, I expect Vic Fangio in the same way that I expect Matt LaFleur to get this offense going. I expect Vic Fangio to get this defense going once everyone gets on the same page and understands what is expected of them. There are still really good players on this team. Chris Harris is still an awesome cornerback. Bradley Chubb is an ascending star player. Von Miller, I think, is still a star level player. So when when you're the Packers, you have to stay true to who you are and and continue to develop that offensive identity. And and that brings me to what I think is a, an obvious question heading into this week. Defensively, D- Denver just isn't what they were, you know, certainly in those Super Bowl season. But we haven't seen them take over games in the way that we're used to seeing. We saw Oakland take advantage of their defense in a lot of different ways. Is this a talent problem right now? Is it an adjustment period to a new defensive system? What is lacking here from Denver's defense? 
You know, I think it's a combination of everything that you mentioned there, Peter, because, look, the Broncos, the, the starters didn't get much playing time in the preseason. The same thing with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we didn't see this, we didn't see Aaron Rodgers go out there and play at all in the preseason because he is probably the top quarterback right now in the NFL uh, just based on where he's at, his ability as a playmaker. You know, I, I think the identity for this defense, they're still trying to find it. They're still trying to gel together. And for what you saw from week one and how this is how I always analyze the defense on a week-to-week basis – the same mistakes that they made in week one, did they make that in week two? No, they condensed it a lot. They kept everything in front of them. They didn't have some of those big plays over the top. The only big play that they had was on a outside toss play by Corderell Patterson getting up the yard, uh, the sideline for about 46 yards. Outside of that, they limited the big play, which I was really proud of, but I still think that they're struggling without inside linebacker Todd Davis, who's a veteran run stopper. We've seen teams establish their own a little bit. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. We also saw it last week with Tariq Cohen. We also saw it with uh, David Montgomery as well. They, they were able to get some some decent runs, about 4.9 yards per carry, and sometimes the Broncos' defense sti- you know, was stingy. They stifled up a little bit, and they were able to get some stops, but you can't do that, and that brings me to my question here, too. As the Broncos find their defensive identity, we know that with the new Matt LaFleur style of offense and then the era of Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, you know, we, we talk about Devontae Adams being one of the top wide receivers for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. We mentioned Jimmy Graham. He came over last year via trade. He suffered an injury. What has it been like with Jimmy Graham, and, and who are some other wide receiver prospects that maybe Aaron Rodgers can go to because Chris Harris Jr. will be following Devontae Adams around on the field? Who can step up if Chris Harris Jr. is able to have success against Adams? You know, this is, I think, a fundamental question that will determine, in part, the outcome of the game. Because in week one, the tight ends played a huge role in the offense. Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, and and Jimmy Graham all played a meaningful role in the passing game. And Devontae Adams didn't really. Chicago was assigning two and even three defenders at times to, to covering Devontae Adams. And so that's when you get someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a big play down the field. He had a couple opportunities. Then this last week, I think Green Bay focused on getting Devontae Adams free knowing that they were going to get Xavier Rhodes on him a ton. Rhodes didn't travel with Devontae Adams. I'll be interested to see if Denver does indeed decide that Chris Harris has to be on Devontae Adams every single snap. Um, But if he is, I have said this uh, and will continue to say this, I think Devontae Adams is matchup proof. I think he is at that point in his career. He eats up Xavier Rhodes, did it again on Sunday. He eats up Darius Slay. Those are two of the five best corners in football. If those guys can't cover him one-on-one, all due respect to Chris Harris, he can't do it either. So they have to find ways to get Devontae Adams, those one-on-one matchups. They have to find ways to get him in in zone coverage. Uh, That first play of the game last week, the play-action bomb to Adams for almost, I think it was 39 yards. That was against zone coverage. And they got him free down the sideline. So... Uh, Green Bay is going to have to continue to find ways to do that, but they need some of these other guys to step up. They need Matt LaFleur to find ways to get them free because I look at the Packers right now and they have sort of a, it's not quite what Breeze has in, in New Orleans or at least what he had when he was playing with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara because Aaron Jones has not been that pass catching threat yet. We started to see glimpses of it on Sunday, and I think he can be a more productive player in the passing game. But I look at a team like New Orleans and I say, why are they so effective with just one true receiver and one true running back and a good offensive line and a great quarterback when Green Bay isn't? And so that's on Matt LaFleur to get his guys in a position. Someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, why can't he be? 
Ted Ginn Jr. There's actually a lot of similarities there in terms of having straight line speed and being a, a mostly deep threat type player. Green Bay has some some versatility in the tight end game. They love Robert Tanyan, who we call Big Bob Tanyan around here. And, and Mercedes Lewis has sort of revitalized his career uh, this year for the Packers. It, he, uh, he talked to Brian Gutekinds, the general manager, and Brian said, you got to trust us. We want you back, and you are going to be part of our offense this year. He's already been a bigger part through two games of the offense than he was in 16 games last year. So they are going to, to tailor their approach to the, the defense that they're going to see. So if Devontae Adams is going to see Chris Harris in traveling one-on-one coverage, it's going to depend on, okay, is Vic Fangio going to put a safety over the top two? Because if he's not, they're going to test that matchup. And then if he is, you use that to your advantage to try and find matchups elsewhere. Can you get Aaron Jones on a linebacker? Can you get Jimmy Graham on a linebacker? Can these safeties run with the Packers tight ends? I think there's a lot of different ways for Green Bay to approach this defense that has not has not played as well in the passing game as, as you would expect. This is not the no-fly zone. This is not that defense. And so I, I think Green Bay... For the second week in a row, there are clear places where they can exploit. Last week, it was the slot corner with Jerron Curse. They were able to do that, at least early on. Uh, can they do that against Denver? I want to flip to the other side of the ball, though, for the Broncos, because they've been surprisingly good, I think, offensively with Joe Flacco. Emmanuel Sanders looks revitalized. And the the two-headed monster in the backfield has been really good with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Have you been surprised I guess I'll ask it that way, that the offense has been this good through two games. You know, I would say, I don't know if the word is surprised. I'm, I'm excited because you know this too, because when Case Keenum was in division with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, there was that, but you know, it, there's a stark difference between Case Keenum and Joe Flacco. And it's notable in how quick he gets the ball out, where he's deciding, where he's going with his reads. He understands where coverages are and he's taking advantage of certain matchups. I mean, he came out firing against the Chicago Bears and the first series of the game, he was 10 for 10 passing on the first series. I mean, they were trying to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, I like his decision-making. I think Rich Scangarello is a first-year offensive coordinator. He's done a, a tremendous amount of studying. He's improved from week one to week two in terms of his play calling. I thought the Broncos overall against Chicago had a pretty good game plan. They called some pretty decent plays, and they tried to isolate some matchups against Kyle Fuller. Um, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that this week when you take a look at you know who the Broncos are going to go against. You take a look at the secondary. you got Jer Alexander. you got Kevin King as well as cornerbacks. Adrian Amos coming over from Chicago. So a little bit of familiarity there with Vic Fangio, um, Darnell Savage. We talk about him playing in the backfield as well of that secondary. I, I think that this is a talented secondary that they have on paper. Can, you know, they're much more different when I look at this Packers defense. Can Joe Flacco come into Lambeau Field? on an Eastern time zone game, 11 a.m., where the Broncos historically have struggled. Can they turn that around, and can they have success against a defense I think is a little bit more stingy than what we've seen in years past with the, the Green Bay Packers? Now, you know, I think with Emmanuel Sanders, he tore his Achilles back in December of last year. And you could, I mean, right now, if you watch film, you go through Game Pass, it doesn't look like he's a guy that tore his Achilles literally just probably under, you know, 10 months ago. I mean, it's been very surprising no, it's, it's his wild. turnaround. 
it's been unbelievable. I mean, 11 catches, 98 yards. You know, he he wanted to rebound after week one. He felt like he slipped a little bit, never had his footing underneath him. And granted, you're playing on a baseball field. Uh, he just wasn't completely satisfied with his week one performance. And, you know, he came up big. I mean, the Joe Flacco threw to the back corner of the end zone with Kyle Fuller with great coverage underneath. I mean, somehow he just fits that ball in there. And it was a big play by Emmanuel Sanders, and they go with him to the two-point conversion as well to get a 14-13 lead. I think we're going to see a big emphasis on him. But also, I think you're going to see a little bit more of an emphasis going back to Cortland Sutton, wide receiver out of SMU, entering year two of his career in Denver. And I tell you what, he came up big for the Broncos on several big third and long completions, uh, receptions. And then he also had a big fourth and 13 reception uh, to kind of convert the, the drive a little bit and keep the Broncos moving. And the Bears, at that point, dropped back seven in coverage. And, you know, know there was three wide receivers and he was able to find that open window get past the stick catch the ball and uh, obviously get tackled but these are the these are the types of plays that the Broncos have to utilize but I think ultimately Peter for the Broncos to have success in the passing game I think they have to establish the run early and often I think that for the Broncos right now the best option is for them to start Royce Freeman and then bring in Philip Lindsay we've seen Lindsay start the last two weeks he hasn't really had things going a little bit. Teams are starting to condense the box, the line of scrimmage for him. They're keeping the edge guys on the outside, containing him, and they're sending those inside linebackers into the A and the B gaps. It's really hard for him to get things going, so a bigger, bulkier back in Royce Freeman has been able to move the ball really well, especially out of the backfield too. So look for them to get things going uh, on the offensive side of the ball first off with the run against the Packers. But you know, w- one question I want to ask you too, what is the biggest difference you've noticed with this Packers team in terms of the defensive side of the ball that you haven't seen in the last couple of years? I think the first thing you notice is speed. It is just a much faster team. You look at the edges with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. They can close down space faster than someone like Nick Perry. And and look, Clay Matthews has some juice still, but nothing near what he was early in his career. The, the speed and power combination that they have is huge. Then in the secondary, Kevin King is a 4-4 guy. Jair Alexander is a 4-3 guy. Darnell Savage is a 4-3 guy. Amos ran 4-4 at his pro day. They have speed. Josh Jackson ran low 4-5s at his pro day. They have speed everywhere. Kadar Holman, the fifth-round pick, ran 4-4. They, and he, didn't, he hasn't played yet, but they really like what he can do in press man coverage. They are so much faster than they've been in years past. They fly around. They close down space so quickly you know, you, you think about some of the tackling issues that they've had over the years, and they've had some major tackling issues. Part of the reason is they're trying to chase down guys from behind. They're not closing down lanes. They're not closing down gaps. And so you you lose that speed, and, and then you're out of position to make a tackle. So th- they have tackled much better through two weeks, in part because they've simply been in better position because they have the athleticism to be in position to make plays. They have coalesced on defense so much faster than I thought they would with so many new faces. I mean, two new starting outside linebackers, two new starting safeties, and you've got Blake Martinez back at inside linebacker, but Oren Burks, who was supposed to start the season, tore his pack in the preseason. He hasn't been in there. Curtis Bolton, who was going to take his place, he tears his ACL. He's not in there. Uh, They had Raven Green. He gets hurt last game, and so now they have to... They have to worry about putting in B.J. Goodson, who they traded for in in right just before the season started. And, and you're trying to shuffle in all these pieces, and, and they don't really miss a beat. I mean, they forced four turnovers against Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, they harassed Mitch Trubisky. They didn't get to Cousins with sacks as often, but they forced him into bad decisions. And that is, again, speed. 
They're getting into the backfield. They're disrupting things, and they're creating life miserable for opposing quarterbacks. If you're, you know, the Packers, that's going to be the plan here. If Joe Flacco is going to if is going to come in and beat you, he's going to have to play really, really well. And he's going to have to beat the blitz. Mike Patton loves to use a lot of exotic blitz looks, designer blitz schemes to try and confuse offensive lines. Uh, he, he, a couple of times, and this is, it is incredible to me to watch. They will, they will show six, seven man pressure and get home with three rushers because the offensive line cannot determine who is coming before they come. And so someone either they get free or they are able to get half a man and 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 turn the corner simply because the offensive lineman wasn't sure they were going to come or they thought they were going to have to block two and end up not having to block two so uh, the the blitz looks because they can use them less frequently have been more effective because of the fact that they can just rush with three they can rush with four and five so that that changes a lot of what they're trying to do defensively I think when you watch last week, the big glaring red flag for the Broncos is wearing number 72 at left tackle. <laughs> so, yeah, he I mean, Garrett Bowles, a lot of a lot of people are going to have problems with Khalil Mack. Right. So, I mean, David Bakhtiari had his issues with Khalil Mack. And for my money, he's the best left tackle in the league. But this Packers team is is also, like Chuck Pagano, going to get exotic with blitz looks. They have a handful of rushers that they can put on his side of the field and and try and confuse him, try and get him to hold, try and, you know, get him to miss blocks. He's going to struggle, I think, with these edge rushers. What is Denver going to do here with Garrett Bowles? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, right now, they don't really have an alternative to bench him. Now, right tackle Juwan James uh, experienced a knee injury against the Raiders. It's going to sideline him several weeks. There was a theory floating around that if, in fact, when Juwan James returns, the Broncos do have an option if Garrett Bowles uh, struggles continue with holding and obviously technique where they could bump over Elijah Wilkins in the left tackle and have Juwan James at right tackle. But as of right now, look, the Broncos are going into this week with Garrett Bowles as their left tackle. And, and you know, Vic Fangio came out and said, look, he's got to be able to embrace. He's got to learn what we're teaching him. He's got to be able to open his mind to it. Emmanuel Sanders is more candid with his approach saying, look, you know, hey, we're going to be on him. We're going to be talking with him because, you know, you can't make those mistakes. I mean, four holding calls in a game is is way too much. And that, that sets you back quite a bit, especially when you have 10 penalties, 81 yards, and 40 of those yards happen to be on your left tackle. Uh, definitely concerning, especially with guys like Darius Smith as well as Preston Smith on the outside. You mentioned the speed. He struggles against guys that are speed rushes, but he also struggles against guys that are power rushers. And I, I think the biggest thing for him is understanding his technique. You know, when a guy, when the play extends a little bit outside the pocket, you can't turn a guy. You can't tackle a guy on a passing play. Those are the things we've seen from Garrett Bowles for three years that it's become a concerning trend that he's been unable to fix. He's had a better preseason, but this week two matchup definitely has a lot of concern for the Broncos going forward in this matchup. Yeah, I, I, you know, there there is... Uh, some interesting parts of all of this, and and I love the idea of Vic Fangio getting to go against Aaron Rodgers another time. Uh, Joe Flacco, the last time he came to Lambeau Field, uh, ripped the Packers apart back in 2017 when Brett Hundley was the quarterback. So not going to be good memories for a lot of Packer fans seeing him back in the building. This is also, uh, and and younger listeners are probably not going to remember this, but uh, 97. This is a this is an old Super Bowl match. 
Brett Favre against John Elway. Now, we're a long way from that, but this is two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. <laughs> Remember that. It's two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in this matchup. Handicap this game for me and the and where you think it's going to go in terms of who's going to win, what it's going to look like. Let's hear it. If I had to give any kind of pinpoint indication, maybe how this game will go, if the Broncos have a chance to win this game, it's going to it's gonna come from the formula of slowing Aaron Rodgers down, and you can't allow him to sit back and, and pick your defense apart. I think if the Broncos can at least get pressure and can generate three sacks at least on Aaron Rodgers, I think this is going to be a relatively close game. I think it could be in a span within seven uh, to six points in, in determining the final outcome now. Here's the deal. Here's the the wild card. If Aaron Rodgers has all time to throw and he could pick apart that secondary and the Broncos offense can't get things rolling, I think the Packers can hold on and win by at least two touchdowns in this game. That's if the Broncos do not show up on Sunday. It's going to be a tough matchup regardless. You got to hope that Vic Fangio's experience going against the Packers, going against Rodgers, there could be some adjustments that are made, but you have to ask the question, does Vic Fangio have the personnel in Denver that he had in Chicago? Maybe not necessarily to the extent of certain positions. Uh, you got some inexperience and in, in youth at inside linebacker. You don't have the Roquan Smiths, the Danny Trevathans. You got to make hay with what you got. So I think it's going to be a big wild card. And this matchup, I think, can come down to the wire. Hopefully it doesn't have to. And, you know, for from a Broncos side of things, hopefully they can come out and, and impose their will. But like I said, you love hard-hitting football. And this could be a defensive matchup here uh, this week between both teams. Yeah, I'm interested to see what what Vic Fangio is able to do with the Broncos defensively against a, a quarterback and a team that he knows relatively well. We don't know if Bryce Callahan is going to play. We don't know what the status is with the Denver linebackers. And, and we don't know why Chubb and Miller have been dormant to this point. So I think those are pretty big defensive question marks given the, the, the issues in the passing game. I mean, right now, I was just looking before we came on at, at the Football Outsider numbers. Denver's 26th against the pass in DVOA. That is that is just, it is very atypical. I don't think that's going to last, but that is indicative of where Denver is right now with their ability to, to stop opposing quarterbacks. And although the Packers have not quite hit their stride yet, I think, you know, they were, they were on their way to blowing out the Vikings before a, a sloppy turnover from Geronimo Allison. I think the offense gets it going in the easiest defensive matchup that it's had, although I think Denver is better than those numbers indicate. I think this is this is something like 27-17 because I think it's, Garrett Bowles is going to be a problem for Denver. I think they're going to be able to pressure Joe Flacco. I think he throws it to the Packers at least once uh, and, and potentially more. And I, I have a hard time seeing, as much as I love Cortland Sutton and that's my dude and I thought he would have been a great fit for Green Bay, uh, I just I don't see Denver having enough playmakers to to win a game like this on the road with the Packers defense playing the way that they are. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's going to be a, a marquee matchup, obviously, early in the morning. For the Broncos, it's going to be different. Like you said, can they buck the trend where they can't win on the Eastern time zone with the early 11 o'clock start games? They're going to have to find a way to overcome that. And, you know, I'm just thankful the Broncos don't have to go up to Lambeau Field in December, get it out of the way in September where the weather is still decently nice. You get to avoid <laughs> the snow, the blizzard. And I think that's going to make this matchup a little bit more interesting uh, for both sides. Is there anything, I mean, I know that they live there, but is there anything after playing a game at altitude to come down? I mean, are they are they going to be a little bit more uh, t- tired or, or worn out than they would be if, if, let's say, week two was in Chicago? Or is that just sort of an, uh, too soft a, a, an idea to try and pinpoint at this point? Is there any, is there any data that, that is out there that suggests that that would be an issue? 
Uh, not for the Broncos necessarily. One of the biggest things, you know, when you go from playing to altitude and you go to a place where there is no altitude, obviously, uh, you know, you can experience some altitude sickness, just like a jet lag kind of delay. But outside of that, I mean, for the Broncos, they should have more wind to them. Uh, when you're used to playing at altitude, you build up a big stamina. And when you go to a place where you're not sucking for air quite as heavy as you are at a mile high, uh, you know, it's a little easier to keep going in the game. And I think that could be a big key for the Broncos in this matchup. I do wonder if it'll be a factor for the Bears because I, I have heard just anecdotally that it's harder to recover after playing at altitude for teams that come in and are not used to it. So not not an issue for this game, but potentially one for the Bears in week three. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun game um, and it, it is going to be a game where there's a lot of star players, especially on defense in this game, which is not something you normally say about the Packers. But here we are. It should be a fun time. Uh Cody, this was fun. I appreciate you taking the time. Peter, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this matchup. I'll also be live tweeting the game as well, and I'll probably interact with you along the way, Peter, as this game goes on, especially if some of the keys that we talked about rear its head in this matchup. Let's do it. I love it. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.